0: and welcome to another edition of Tarvalon Talks. I'm Thad and today I'm joined by Fenya and Diana. And today we are on our last episode rewatch. That's right, we are finally here in episode 8, the culmination of the entire season. I know you're excited to hear about it. But a quick note before we dive in, we will try to keep the bulk of our episode spoiler-free through books 1 and 2 of the series, but we will spend a portion at the end of talking about the foreshadowing and spoilers in each episode of the discussion. This one being episode 8, the episode we're talking about. Let's talk about that cold open with 3,000 years ago.
1: Boy, things have changed.
0: Boy, howdy. Look at what we could have had, and look at what we currently have.
2: Language has also changed. This whole cold open, spoken in the old tongue, I really liked. That was very cool.
0: Oh yeah, that was pretty neat.
1: It was definitely a choice. I'm still not sure whether I like it or not.
0: Jury's still out, huh?
1: Just, I found it a little jarring, but I do think it's interesting how we got more of the old tongue.
2: I like that the show is really trying to show, like, the Age of Legends is a totally different time period, with very different language, different fashion, different architecture, different technology. This was a different world and a different time. And then they messed it up. and <laughs> This is where we're at today.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Basically, that whole conversation between Luz Theron telemann we had to get the full name out there. They're, they're really good friends, and she, she, at the end, goes, Luz Theron Telemann, and it's like, no, you didn't have to do that. But
2: He at least responds with her full name, which I can't remember for the life of me. That's true. Like, they are both dramatic bitches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who thought the fate of the world would have been decided in a nursery?
2: Uh, my one note about this cold open is I wish they had included Ileana. I wish we had just seen her because like so many people I was watching this with thought that Luz Theron and Latro were married. Even though they like say my good friend, it's like very much not clear because it's a man and a woman in a nursery with a baby and like it does kind of seem like they're married and I had to be like, no, 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 they're not married. And people were like, how do you know? And I'm like, because I've read the books. <laughs> like they're not married. So I I really wish we had seen his wife. Also, it would have been cool to see Eliana. Like, let her be alive in one version of this, please.
0: Yeah, that would have been something. A little nitpicky on my end, but I don't like how they called him the Dragon Reborn, because he was just known as The Dragon. But they decided to go with Dragon Reborn.
2: I thought that was interesting, too. I definitely bumped on it the first time I watched it. On this, it's like, it makes sense, actually, that he would be the Dragon Reborn, because there are no beginnings or ends to the Wheel of Time. So... There is no first dragon. There is only the dragon reborn. He's always reborn. So I liked that. <laughs> uh, I agree that they could have just called him the dragon and been more consistent with the books. And I think it would have been perfectly clear that this was the dragon. Rand is the dragon reborn. But, you know, they did what they did. But the costuming is at least on point. Luz Theron is also wearing the same ring that Ishan Bael is wearing at the end of this episode, which I noticed on this rewatch. That was very cool.
0: I think it might be like a Sangriel or a or whatever of some kind.
2: It'll be. So it might not be the same. It might just be very similar. But I like that it's like a part of like another way that their costumes are connected.
0: We also finally get, you know, at the end of the cold open, the shot of the futuristic city because we basically had the ruins of it at the beginning of episode one. So we got that nice, here's what this looked like. Because, you know, I immediately picked up like, oh, this is that shot. Three thousand years
1: ago. Yeah, it's a nice callback to episode one too. And again, it just helps establish how much things have changed. Which obviously, like we we get those markers by the language and the clothing and technology and all of that. But it's just one more way of showing, like, yeah, this things were drastically drastically different. Like
2: they had flying cars. Man, did they screw up? They had flying cars. <laughs> now they're using horses and wagons. Oh, three thousand years later is a rough time. Yeah.
0: So there really isn't much else to it outside of them talking about going and taking a strike on Shio Well, really, it's Luz that wants to do it. And the Tamerlan's like, no, you shouldn't do that. It's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea, which is fair.
2: Thad, you just called him Luz. No.
0: Yeah, I did. Because I know you hate that.
2: No! It's Luce Theron! Oh my god, we will get there. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I like literally face-bombed when he did that. I was so upset. <laughs>
0: she she did. Both hands to the forehead. Just... No.
2: It's Luz Theron, or not at all.
0: <laughs> I win again, Luz Theron.
2: Now who's the one being dramatic? I'm always dramatic. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of Luz Theron... Do we want to go to the Blight? If we have to.
0: We may as well. <laughs>
2: it's not a fun place.
0: So we continue on with Moraine and Rand making their way to the Eye of the World. And um, Moraine is continually like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. We'll, we'll get there eventually. And she begins talking and we see Malkier. We actually get to see the Seven Towers of Malkier, which was a very nice touch because Rand is like, hey, what, what's that over there? And Moraine just kind of gives a flyby description of it.
1: So... In this scene, she kind of intimates that the Blight is moving around and like the towers were farther back previously, I think. Is that something that is true in the books?
0: It wasn't that the Blight was moving. It's that it is accelerating in its, I guess, continual takeover of non-blighted land because it was supposedly when the blight took Malkier. it was like 40 years ago and now 40 years later it's almost at faldara which is a pretty decent distance because it, it, she said something like it only moves a mile a year before but it's moving like exponentially faster and faster which just shows that the dark one is getting more powerful
1: Okay, so I just completely misinterpreted her statement then. Well, it's a poorly written line. I know exactly what you're talking
2: about, Fenya, because I also bumped on that.
0: The first of many in this episode.
2: Yes, yes. I also bumped on that when she said it. and I was like, the blight is no, that's not no. that's not what they mean. They don't they they did not write what they meant there because <laughs> um, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I was I was really confused. I was like, this doesn't seem
2: right, <laughs> but no, it doesn't it's incorrect. This episode also has a lot of jumping around so I don't know if we want to maybe like cover all of the Blight stuff and then cover all of the Faldara stuff and then cover all of the Eye of the World stuff because like the scenes are a lot shorter and a lot more like jumpy
1: jumpy.
0: They yeah they really are.
1: Yeah I think it makes sense to talk about like the storylines as a cohesive unit rather than go scene by scene. So Rand falls asleep in the Blight unwise because that's where you get
2: Nightmares of Ishmael and the Dark One.
1: <laughs> to be fair to him, he's been having nightmares of Ishmael for a while now. That's not new. True, but this is the worst,
2: I think, maybe, because he watches the Dark One just straight up murder Moiraine in front of him. Really scary.
0: Like in a in a very graphic way to boot. Yeah,
2: just sword through the mouth.
0: Not through the mouth. Well, through the mouth, but through the back of the head, out the mouth, which is like, ooh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> didn't look great and then we get yeah then they they start talking and they have a very weird conversation uh where Ishmael, i'm just gonna say like i can't remember when the show establishes that this is Ishmael and not the dark one but this is not the dark one like this is Ishmael. we know it's not the dark one
0: well we know it's not the dark one but he is still continually referred as the dark one through the end of the episode
2: okay fair okay so the dark one with heavy air quotes (laughs) shows up and i did not like the way they did his transformation from ember eyes to regular person face it was really bad
0: (laughs) he didn't like the arrow through the eye and he pushes it in and it just kind of like sucks into his eye socket and regular face
2: I think that's a cool concept. I feel like there's a lot of like more, again, like more missed opportunities. like they could have had him continue to be clouded and or sheathed in smoke the way that he was in that first dream when we first see him with the ember eyes and like then have Rand shoot him in the eye and push the arrow in and then have the whole thing get sucked up but like he shows up with like his ember eye face and then in like Age of Legends clothing it's very weird looking and also just the special effects are bad but the special effects in this episode are bad we know why it's cuz of covid like it's i i have to i have to move past the bad special effects cuz like there's just there's nothing they could have done
0: i do like how they concealed the actor for Ishamael for so long because apparently and i didn't know this like over in I think it's one of the Scandinavian countries. He's like a super popular actor. So they didn't want to like give up the ghost early.
2: Yeah, he was one of the few actors who like they we knew it was cast, but they didn't reveal who it was until like very, very late in production. So I agree.
0: <laughs> so for 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 some of us uh, stupid Americans, it would have been they would have said the name. I'd be like, Who?
2: Um, I like him. I like his portrayal of of the Dark One in general. I think he's not he's not the crazy kind of megalomaniac version that we get.
0: It would have been wild to see that in the show, like as insane as he is in the books to see that in the show. But they went a different route and I kind of like it.
2: I like a creepier, more manipulative villain.
1: Yeah, I really like him. I think he's fantastic.
2: I just never want him to call loose there and lose again or I will lose my mind.
1: You'll, you'll lose your mind. <laughs> Incredible.
2: Yes. And the way that Rand gets out of this dream is very sad, very upsetting. He stabs himself in the in the stomach.
0: He takes a gamble on it, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's like, this has to be a dream. So what does one do in a dream? Instead of, like, smacking himself, wake up, wake up, he puts a sword through his gut. Yeah. That'll wake you up.
2: Oh, it may so sad. Like, Rand has already has suicidal tendencies. Like, no, Rand, no.
0: And then almost the worst part to it is he wakes up and the conversation for the beginning of the dream is the exact same.
1: The exact same. Which I loved that. Like, I thought that was fantastic.
2: Yeah. They don't do the same intonation, though, which makes it very clear that it's not exactly the same. Like, they they like refilmed it. So I don't know how I felt about that. I kind of wanted it to be the same intonation, but...
1: I thought that it made sense for it to be just a little different because, you know, this isn't the dream world. Like, this is real life. So those minor differences, like I could hand wave away. But the thing that I enjoyed most about the scene is that he wakes up and you're not initially sure whether he's actually like woken up from the dream or not, or if he's just gone into another dream yeah totally it's very well done as they continue through the blight
2: they start talking about channeling and rand is like teach me how to channel and we have yet another missed opportunity by the script because moiraine says that she can't teach him how to channel because he's going to go crazy something we as an audience even a show audience already knows well established way to go this was a perfect chance for her to be like i can't teach you how to channel because men and women touch different parts of the source and channeling is different and it would be like a fish trying to teach a bird to swim Yada, yada. All of those great metaphors that they use in the show. And I do not know why they didn't address it. They set themselves up perfectly.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of those really nitpicky things about it that it's just I was waiting for them to do that, too. To be like, I can't show you how to do it because intrinsically we're two halves of the same whole.
2: Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe for some reason the show is like we're just going to get rid of the gender binary completely and men and women channel from the same half of the source. But then they establish that it's different halves in the Wheel of Time Origins episodes, which you guys talked about before. And so I was like, but they are going with men and women channel from two different halves of the source and the two halves are different. So why are they not addressing it at this point where it would have been really easy to do so?
0: Well, on that logic, the Aes Sedai would go mad from the corruption anyways, so.
2: True. Like, it's just, and like, they've already established that they can't see Loghain's weaves, but they never quite go into why. Like, I just, it bothers me. It's, it would have been, again, such a very simple, just like, because you still could mention, oh, and also if I, even if I could teach you, you would still go mad. Like, you can still have that line but it just would be more world building and also more consistent with the books and also would have made more sense. But she does give him the little fat man on Grial, So there's that.
0: He's not bald in this one, though. He's wearing a hat.
2: Well, he still could be bald, even if he's wearing a hat.
0: That is true. <laughs> that is technically true.
2: Um, And they reach the eye of the world, which Rand recognizes from his past lives because he fought Ishamael there before as Luz Theron. And Rand is also... It finally clicks for Rand. Oh, Right. If anybody who goes with the dragon reborn will die when we go to the eye of the world and Moiraine was going to go with us, that means Moiraine will die. And I was like, yeah, buddy, Rand's not the brightest bulb.
0: (laughs) He's just a farm boy from the two rivers. The
1: look that Moiraine gives him is so perfect. Just like that smile and nod as she continues down the steps. Yeah, she's like, yeah, honey.
0: A testament to her character for sure. Mm
1: hmm. Then back in
2: Faldara, Nynaeve and Lan have a conversation about how Nynaeve could track Moiraine, like, and that's how she followed them. She didn't follow Lan, and teaches him how to do so. So I was like,
1: okay, cool.
0: Yeah, she has a tell, apparently. We don't know what it is, but she has it.
1: Convenient. You'd kind of think that Lan would have figured it out by now. I was
2: wondering that too, but I also was like, "Land doesn't need to track Moiraine via physical tell. He has the bond. So he always knows where she is.
0: Which is why he always gets so erratic whenever she masks it, because we've seen it twice now and both times he's just like, hey, come on now. Don't do this to me.
2: I genuinely, we didn't talk about this in episode seven, but I think she masks the bond in episode seven in part to be like, I need to get some sleep. <laughs> I don't want to feel you and Nynaeve together <laughs> through the bond. <laughs> Um, but that's neither here nor there but yeah I agree that I would have thought that Lan would have picked up on it but I'm also I like that like this episode takes a lot away from Nynaeve in terms of her special skills which we will get to so I like that they at least let her be really good at tracking and can teach Lan something and they also have this scene is very romantic between the two of them it's I think it's one of the direct quotes this is like I will hate the man you choose and I will love him if he makes you smile that's a direct quote it's very sweet
1: it is very sweet, and you're right in that Nynaeve deserves to have something nice happen to her, be be super special in some way, because a lot of that, as you say, gets taken away. But still, it just was one of those things that I stubbed my toe on. Yeah, totally fair.
2: And then we have my f- least favorite scene in this episode, maybe
1: in the entire show,
2: which is Amelisa and Agelmar, for some reason,
1: not putting on the
2: armor that could have saved Agelmar's life.
1: Okay, do you actually think it would have saved his life, though? It
2: would have been better than not wearing it.
0: Is he confirmed dead?
2: He got a spear through the chest.
0: Is he confirmed dead?
2: I I feel like that was a died on screen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He does put on armor. Like, I don't blame him for wanting to wear his own armor instead of this other armor that he's not familiar with. Just because this other armor has protected family members doesn't mean it's going to do anything for him. It doesn't make sense <laughs> it but it does make sense like why would you go into
2: battle wearing unfamiliar gear so i'm not convinced that it is unfamiliar i feel like he's probably worn it before but he's just like i want my own armor like this is just more Algomar being like an arrogant jerk for no reason and because like they didn't want to have him in season two so they were like let's kill him but like i don't it was just like I, it doesn't why even bring this armor up like amelisa doesn't need it She doesn't ever encounter a troll like hand-to-hand combat. Like, she doesn't need it. So why even bring it up? Why even have this scene? That, I think, is a question that I agree with you on.
0: Because he's not dead.
2: (laughs) If he shows up in season two, that is going to be so galaxy brain. (laughs)
0: Like, Like, show Agamemar is such a hothead compared to book Agamemar. Like, he's cool. He's calculating. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He's very... Well-respected. In this one, he's just like, no, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what anybody says. And then he takes a spear to the chest.
1: I still don't remember Book Agilmar.
0: Book Agilmar is a lot nicer, even if he doesn't get a lot of screen time. Like, legitimately a lot nicer.
2: I think I equate him and Inktar in my head, because their names are somewhat similar. But those are very different characters with very different plot lines. Those are. So I think that that's why I'm like, oh, no, this is consistent with his characterization in the books. It's not. <laughs> It bothers me. I will never not bother me.
0: Yeah. Well, welcome to episode eight, baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, true. If you have no problems with this episode, I want to live inside your brain. That's totally fine. I mean I want I want to be in that place, that happy place that can watch this episode without being without having problems. That's why.
0: Just get drunk.
1: <laughs> I think this episode works a lot better when you binge the show. It does. Yeah. When I was watching it the first time, you know, watching it on a weekly basis, we got here and I was like, what is this? this? is horrible. This is a hot mess. And then when I was watching it all at once, I got to episode eight and I was like, okay, I still don't like it. But like, I feel emotionally a lot better about it than I did the first time because it feels like kind of, you know, there's some continuity. There's a big culminating battle. Like it feels exciting in a way that it really did not watching it on its own
0: to me it feels like that because you know episodes one through six are more or less all of their own individual stories that kind of you know tie together obviously for a season but seven and eight felt like two parts of one episode and you kind of need to watch them together to really get the full effect of it because when you watch it week one uh, you know cliffhanger ending for you know the season finale and then the season finale comes here and it felt kind of short on that end because you got to watch it all together because I, I did that today. Like I watched seven and eight back to back and I was like, this flowed a whole lot better because A, I cut out the outro, I cut out the recap, I cut out the intro. So it cuts to them, the end of episode seven cuts, cuts out with them walking into the blight and then immediately we're continuing on like the scene which is just keeping on.
2: Yeah, that's a great note. But I think that also makes sense kind of in how they were released. They were uh, released is not the right word. How they were marketed be when they were initially when they showed screeners of the show, they showed screeners of episodes one through six to all of the like media people to have them do their articles so that no one was spoiled. For who the dragon was and so a lot of people experienced only episodes one through six and then experienced episodes seven and eight together which i i do think that they are like episodes one through six are one thing and episode seven and eight are kind of a different thing and like you know that's covid but also because episode seven and now into episode eight we're really ramping up into not the mystery of who is the dragon reborn but rand is the dragon and this is what it looks like and these are the consequences speaking of which Rand and Moiraine go into the eye and Rand gets into Ishamael's fake dream world or the Dark One's fake dream world. And he's in a cottage and Egwene is there and they have their sweet baby Joya, who's so cute. (laughs) She's so adorable. And I love watching Egwene and Rand interact with her. And I'm just, it makes me so sad that this will never be a reality, even though I wouldn't want Rand to rewrite the pattern to make it so. It is very sweet to watch.
0: This felt like a portal stone scene more than anything.
2: Yeah, that is a great reference. I completely agree. That it's like this alternate reality that Rand could make, theoretically. I don't actually think he could make this reality. I don't think he could. I also love that Rand almost immediately knows that this is a false reality because Egwene is his wife and not Wisdom and not an Aes Sedai. And like later on the episode, he's even like, but what about what she wants? Like... Rand really cares about Egwene and he loves her and he does actually want what, like, he wants her to go for her dreams, which, like, as women, we could all be so lucky to have a man who will support us in our dreams. Like, I love that. I love feminist Rand. Go, Rand.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the tipping point for him was when he asks her, I thought you wanted to go to the White Tower. And she was like, I just want to be here with you. You just see, like, calculations just passing in front of his eyes of, wait a second, something's not right here. I can't be this happy. This is fake. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. Especially because they had been fighting about it. And like earlier that day, they had a conversation where like, no, but we are going to go to the White Tower together and we're going to fulfill your dream, Egwene. So definitely a miscalculation by the Dark One to be like, but this is the reality you could have where she's your wife. He clearly doesn't know Rand very well. But Rand has his one his one big brain move where he realizes that he could trick the Dark One into teaching him how to channel by saying, like, but how do I make this real? And the Dark One, like, starts to teach him essentially the flame in the void. Like, center yourself. Focus all of your want on the baby and, like, how much you want it. And you can see the power start to flow through Rand. it's originally not tainted. It's just the white threads.
0: Yeah, that was a nice touch.
2: Yeah, it's really, it's like, oh, you can you can literally see the moment when Rand starts to fight the Dark One because then the power, the taint starts to show up. It's really, really well done. I do really like this part of this episode. I think they handle Rand and his battle with the Dark One much better than the book, honestly. Much better than the book. Because in the book, it is incomprehensible.
0: In the book, it's not even against D'Shamayl, is it? I thought it was he fights um, Aginor and both uh, I forget how to say his name. Is it Belal? Not Belal.
2: Uh, Bethamael. The two of Forsaken who genuinely don't matter <laughs> because they are taken out immediately. <laughs>
0: they really don't.
1: Yeah, I don't remember that battle either. <laughs>
2: or their names. Rand also teleports to Tarwin's Gap at one point in that battle in the books. It's insane.
0: He does. And then he raises, you know, his sword and he showers lightning and destroying all the Trollocs. And... But we don't get that here. We get something else entirely.
2: We get something that I actually understand what's happening. So thanks, show. <laughs>
0: but yeah they just kind of changed it up but to be yeah to be honest ask any wheel of time fan what what do you remember of the end of book one that is not the green man which we didn't get in this uh iteration of adaptation which i guess it's fine
2: i miss the green man a little bit i think he's a cool character
1: does the green man actually add anything to the book though not really no
0: In terms of story, nothing, but he's basically like, I'm protecting my little plot of land. Think of him as Tom Bombadil from Lord of the Rings.
1: Like, I love Tom Bombadil. I think the green man is cool, but I understand why they wouldn't include either of those characters in an adaptation.
0: Yeah, it's essentially along those lines of, it's a cool character that, because he's got his own greenery in the heart of the blight, which shows that he can't be corrupted, but then he gets killed anyways.
2: Yeah.
1: Womp womp
2: womp womp indeed uh back in real reality back in tarwin's gap the men inexplicably charge into tarwin's gap into the fortress they take their horses and they charge straight into the fortress i don't know why looked cool but didn't make any sense
0: dynamically it looks fun
2: it looks great but i'm like every time i'm like where are you going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you're not charging into anything and the enemy can't see you so you're not intimidating them where are you going
1: maybe they can hear the thunder of their hooves as they charge into this all all what like barely a hundred of them yeah
2: <laughs> to take out what
0: they said is what 10 twenty thousand trollocs
2: Ten to 20,000 Trollocs. That's, that's not good odds. The They start fighting in Tarwin's Gap. The women are taking up arms. Meanwhile, in Faldara, they're starting to fortify the city. We see Min. Peace out. <laughs> like a sensible person.
0: True to Min's character.
2: Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Min has a very strong sense of self-preservation. And so she is like, goodbye. Uh, we will see her again. I'm quite sure we will see her again in season two. The Horn of Valir in the show is not in the same place that it's in the books. It is under the throne of Faldara, which is a change that I like and makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Do you remember where they find it in the books?
2: Yeah, they find it in the Eye of the World, <laughs> which, uh, okay.
0: With the dragon banner.
2: With the dragon banner.
0: It was like under the pool of untainted
2: uh, siding that ran channels through, which also, what is that?
0: It's an untainted pool.
2: Never again established. Can you have liquid one power? Apparently. <laughs> like,
0: well, I mean, spoilers, <laughs> but kind of.
2: Fair. It's weird. Uh, I think this makes a lot more sense. I wonder if we are going to get other stuff that has to do with the horn later. But if you think that the last battle, like if from a from a world standpoint, if you think that the last battle is going to happen at the Eye of the World or Sheol Ghul, which you reach through the Blight. It makes sense that you would put the Horn of Valir, which you need at the last battle, somewhere near the Blight, and in the city that has never fallen in three thousand years—or however long Valdara has existed. So I don't—I don't hate this. I think that this change makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's fine. It's a totally fine one that uh, they happen to have it and they know what it is. So instead of it just being randomly found, like, yeah, I like this a lot better.
2: Yeah, it makes it less Holy Grail-esque, which is really what the Horn of Valir feels like
1: in um, in the books. I mean, I kind of like Holy Grail-esque, but again, I'll be honest, I didn't remember how the Horn of Valir was found. (laughs) So (laughs) I remember, clearly I remember very little from these first books.
0: Don't worry, most people can't remember how the first book really, really ends, because, as Diana said, a lot of it is absolutely incomprehensible.
1: Most people, including me.
0: (laughs) Even, I think even Robert Jordan has admitted that at some point of, yeah, it wasn't the best. It's like, you think...
2: Yeah, the any every other
1: ending battle is way better.
0: Yeah, it was it was a very Tolkien-esque kind of thing.
1: All I remember is Rand being insistent that he's killed the Dark One, as he's insistent here, and being like, Rand, you have another thirteen or fourteen books in this series to go. You have not killed the Dark One.
2: I loved when Fenya was reading the books the first time, uh, which we're jumping ahead a little bit. But when Fenya was reading the books the first time, she messaged me and she was like, so Rand killed the dark one in quotes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he killed the dark one. And she was like, Diana, no. <laughs> like, I, I was not born yesterday. I'm not
1: an idiot. <laughs> He's
0: not killed the dark one. When I started reading, there was only like seven books out, seven, maybe eight.
1: Okay, but even even when you have seven or eight books out, like, you know by the first, if there are another six or seven.
0: You know, yeah, you're reading and you're just like, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get that lucky, buddy.
2: Nope. Rand does indeed, quote-unquote, kill the Dark One in this episode. He channels so hard into the little fat man on Grial that he blows the Dark One away. But we already see Ishmael's grinning, like, he's clearly not dead. He's clearly just like, haha, my plan has worked. What was his master plan? We are not sure.
0: The way in which they, like, approached and executed that shot makes me queasy at best.
2: Yeah, it's rough. It's even worse spinny camera action, and it cuts between Rand in the fake reality and then Rand and Moiraine in real actual reality.
0: I mean, it's a cool concept. I see exactly what they were going for. It just did not land with me.
2: The cinematographers needed to figure out a different way to emphasize stuff with Rand than to spin around him with a camera. Like, there's other ways. <laughs> I didn't mind it.
0: No, I'm. it legitimately made me queasy. Like, like I was kind of like, ugh.
2: I would like it if it was this or the Dragon Reborn reveal. I don't like that both are spinning.
1: The the one thing, I mean, and obviously like, I'm not a fan of something that makes people physically ill watching, regardless of my personal feelings towards it. But the one thing that I didn't like was the way that Rand stands up is just, that was really, I don't know, blocky, weird to me. And so that more than anything else I had an issue with. Yeah, he like flows out of Moiraine's arms. Yeah, it just, it, it looked weird. It, yeah,
2: I agree. It looks very weird. There's a lot about this that looks strange.
0: The effects off of the Fat Man Angriel was pretty great, though, I will admit.
2: Yeah, the like explosion of white light looks very cool. Straight into the Dark One's face.
0: The Dark One, quote unquote.
2: The Dark One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Faldara, things are not going quite as great. Pat and Fane shows up with two fades, which absolutely terrifying everyone up to this point has been terrified of fades but except for pat and Fane. he is super scary he breaks into Faldara very casually immediately goes to where they just located the horn and takes it and like i thought he stabbed uno i thought uno was dead and i was like no no
0: they're all writhing around on the ground and they show Fane stabbing loyal with the ruby dagger which if you've read the books is a big old no-no because you're dead in like 10 seconds with that
2: yeah i do not know how loyal is going to survive that or if they just like oh the ruby dagger is just a dagger all of the evil is in pot and Fane now i don't know but i i have in my notes how does loyal survive that
1: (laughs) i mean maybe it has something to do with him being an ogier that could be
0: Glory to the builders.
1: Yeah, maybe they're just more, I don't know, sturdier and immune to the dagger's evil effects.
0: Well, if you know anything about Ogiers, they are not of this world.
2: That could be. Could be some alien biology going on here. Yeah. We'll we'll headcanon that. Paddenfein also tells Perrin that he knew they were Taviran, and that's the only reason that he went to the two rivers every year.
0: And he specifically said all five of you are Taviran, so we're establishing that... Nynaeve and Egwene are in fact Tavirin and steering away from just the boys.
2: Yep. Which I like. Let the girls be Tavirin. So, but that also like calls back to Doll's concern from episode one of how does Moiraine know that these boys are Tavirin? What have they done? They must have done something because Pat and Fane is aware of them. He is a very powerful dark friend, but clearly they must have done something. He has this whole monologue about how like you guys, some of you guys will turn to the shadow and they show Matt. Looking very, very bad. Walking into, I think Tarvalon. I'm going to assume Tarvalon, and I they better not make me make Matt a dark friend. I will be very upset. <laughs> Don't do that to my boy.
1: I mean, I don't see how they can.
2: It would be insane. Like, it would be the most insane choice.
0: I don't know what direction they're going to go with him for season two, because since he's separated from the party.
2: I don't know. But it better not be dark friend territory. That's all I will say. And Perrin picks up an axe to fight Pod and Fane, but Pod and Fane just waltzes away. Like, nobody's business. Because he could not care less. And he has the Horn of Valir now, so we are going to have to chase him in season two, I am assuming. The... Down on the field of Tarwin's Gap, we have Amalisa and the five other, the four other women, four or five other women who she's with. They couldn't channel from a wall. They had to pick an empty field where they're totally exposed.
0: It's this big, open, flat plane, and it's like just five people standing on it. And it looks so weird. Because it's just them standing out in the, like, they're not, like, at the gates or at the walls of Faldara. They are, like, what feels like a mile out from it, standing there. And it's like, that just that just felt very weird.
1: Maybe they were concerned about collateral damage. Because if they're not great channelers.
0: Well, as we come to find.
2: <laughs> they are not. Amelisa, at least, is not. I think the actual reason
1: that they do this is I think it was a COVID protocol.
0: Yeah, Probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there was a practical reason because otherwise, it really is not a very sensible decision.
0: I gave a lot of stuff in episode eight specifically a pass just because you know we knew that a lot of that stuff got messed up because of COVID. So it's like they did the best they could with what they had. So it's 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 hard to it's hard to be overtly negative on a lot of stuff knowing that.
2: Yeah, they link. I'm pretty sure this is not how linking works in the book, but they link
0: this is not how linking works because the whole thing of linking is you can't do what they did because the link will immediately fail if that starts happening. And it doesn't.
2: Yeah. Specifically with the women burning out.
0: I don't know what the showrunner's explanation for that is, but it is a specific security feature built into linking to where if you over channel, the link fails.
2: I don't know. I don't know if Rafe has ever talked about it. I certainly have not seen anything. I think that there is one cool visual effect that they do with the linking, which is the threads from the other three women are specifically not as thick and not as bright as the threads that come from Egwene. And then definitely Nynaeve is like the brightest that goes back into Amelisa to show their relative levels of power with the one power. Other than that, I think it looks pretty strange. Like they start like shaking as they're powers being channeled through them they're like having seizures it doesn't look fun
0: they're convulsing they're stumbling it's supposed to be euphoric right yeah the only one that seems euphoric about it is uh what's her name amelisa amelisa she's the only one everybody else is kind of just like getting racked with just pain it feels like you know before they start burning out
2: yeah yeah i mean Egwene even says i'm burning so that doesn't seem great i do like the burnt out eye effect i thought that was very cool but yeah, uh, not great. And then Nynaeve sacrifices herself and burns herself out? Question mark?
0: So what it felt like there is that, you know, she, yeah, she grabs onto Egwene to save her, but the whole thing about linking is that when you link, only one person has control and can channel, so Nynaeve shouldn't have been able to technically channel to heal Egwene and take on the brunt of whatever Egwene was getting from the link very spotty what they're doing here with with linking as uh, a thing
2: very very spotty and then Nynaeve burns out and falls over and Egwene sobbingly heals her which is another thing earlier on we kind of skipped over this but earlier on Egwene can can listen to the wind and Nynaeve cannot I did like that though because I think that's a great way of introducing Nynaeve's block
0: yes I agree with that.
2: Okay. So do we think she got blocked when she healed everybody after Loghain killed Lan?
1: I think that she realized that that was like that she could channel. And so what she had been doing subconsciously, she now like has issues with.
2: Okay. I suppose she does say like basically from the first time I channeled, which is when she heals Lan and everybody else who gets hurt by Loghain. So, okay. But that's still, it takes away one of Nynaeve's special powers, which is listening to the wind and being able to hear the weather. And then over in this last scene, Egwene heals her of, like, essentially death, which is another one. Like, Nynaeve is the super healer, which the show has already established. And I was just like, give Nynaeve something to do. (laughs) Like, you're taking all of her powers away.
0: Yeah, this whole thing with the link is just the linking and uh, it just racks my brain just knowing how linking in the books works because they're just playing very loose with it.
2: Yeah fast and loose and in a way that is just not
0: because a the link is supposed to break whenever over channeling starts happening and because they don't do that amelise when the the leader can end a, a link or pass leadership on to somebody else at any time but she's so wrapped up in it that she can't drop the link which shouldn't technically be possible it would fail before she could drop the link so it's kind of like i don't know it was weird
1: So I agree that the scene doesn't work from a book knowledge standpoint, but I also kind of wonder, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get a deep dive into the mechanics of how linking works in the books. I mean, in in the show. So I kind of feel like this is just what linking is in the show now.
0: We barely get it in the books.
1: Yeah.
2: It'll be interesting to see what, like, because in season two, we're going to get a lot more channelers and we're going to get a lot more channeling. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle linking in another culture that I'm, I'm holding back from talking about so that we can fully wrap up the pre-other stuff, because I'm sure that they will handle it there. They have to. It's like pretty essential. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that works and if, if linking, if they continue to have this linking physics, for lack of a better term.
0: To be fair, like 90% of information on linking comes from two sources that's not in like in the books, and that is the big white book and then the companion book. So... That just goes to show you how little of it is talked about, because it's a lost art. Like Women can link in books and stuff like that, and they know that only a certain number of them can link as so far, and even that is not knowledge that is well known among the Aes Sedai.
2: One person who will not be able to link, at least for a while, though, is Moiraine, because the Dark One shields her pretty early on in their confrontation. I am convinced that she is shielded. A lot of people thought that he stilled her. There's no way.
0: Compare that when he shields her, you know, how you see that it go into her. And with Loghain, you see it get ripped out. We don't see that with her, but we see the shield come around Moraine. And then you see Luz, not Luz.
2: (laughs) You're just trolling me now.
0: (laughs) We see Shamiel with his little ring thing and he like taps his fingers together. That's basically him tying the knot of it. So he doesn't have to maintain the shield anymore since he knows how to do that.
2: Exactly. And tying off a shield is something that is well established in the books. I'm confident that that is what has happened to her.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Also, Lan can still feel the bond, and he can feel the bond that is masked. If she was stilled, the bond would have been severed.
0: And then we would have gotten crazy, Lan.
2: Yes. And that is not what happened. Moiraine can still channel. This is actually something I am happy that they did, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section in just a second, because I think it sets up a lot of things for later and later seasons. And I'm very happy that they did this, even though I know there were a lot of people at the time when it happened who were like, what the hell? They just gentled Moiraine. This is insane. She's not gentle. She's going to channel again, guys. It's fine. Moiraine will be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good. So, what do you think of the big Queen DR disc?
2: Oh, I thought that was so cool. I love this as one of the seals of the Dark Ones prison. And that Ishmael is like, I need someone to channel very, very powerfully at it in order to start to crack it. I love this.
1: Yeah, I'm similarly, I thought it was great. I just, I really like the visuals of that, like the set of that scene in general. I thought it was really pretty.
0: No longer are the little handheld discs that can't be broken.
2: We might get some handheld ones. Like there's nothing that says that the seals of the Dark Ones prison all have to
1: be the same size.
0: That's true. That's what I'm hoping for.
1: I'm not convinced that they're all going to be this large. I think that this one is different and all the rest are going to be smaller.
0: It might be something along the lines of there's a bunch of small ones and that one. that was the big one, like the final kind of seal thing. And now that that one's broken, he can touch the world a little a little easier now.
2: Yeah. And that breaking this one sets off, this is kind of spoilers, but like sets off that all of the others are starting to weaken.
0: I mean, that's established at the end of the first book, more or less.
2: True, true. Then we get the Sean Chan. I'm so excited. I was so excited when they showed up. I (laughs) don't know why. I don't know when my hatred of the Sean Chan turned into some kind of like love hate, but I now love them. Uh, Not their culture.
0: You love to hate or hate to love.
2: I just love that they exist. They're so cool (laughs) Um, in a terrible way. They are cool in the like, they establish that the Wheel of Time is different from the Lord of the Rings very, 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 very effectively. And I love that for them. Also, their costuming, their makeup, their, their ships, the music, everything about them, how they were visualized in this, like, 15-second clip just gets me hyped every time. I think I've watched this clip more than I have watched all of the other episodes.
0: That poor little girl.
2: Poor girl. Where are her parents?
1: Get her off that beach. I don't wonder where her parents are, but I do wonder why she's not, like, running away.
2: Yeah, she does seem very okay with a giant tsunami coming at her.
1: <laughs> Yeah, she just stares at it, and I'm like, what are you doing, little girl?
0: You gotta remember that a lot of children don't have a level of self-preservation built in yet, so...
1: True. She's
2: definitely dead. Cool details about the Sean Chan. What are those things called at the front of the ships? I should have looked this up before. It's Grom that are on the front of their ships. They're three eyed cat frog things, which is very cool. Makes me very excited. We might actually like physically see some of those the show. That would be madness. And the Soldom and the Domine. I love their costuming. I think it is a great reimagining of the Lincoln collar in a way that's less kinky.
0: Yeah. I I like how it looks. How it's kind of like this partially kind of armor esque kind of thing. Instead of it being just a literal collar with a lined link, which that'll probably still happen because it has to.
2: Yeah, I think that the collar, and I'm assuming some sort of bracelet, I think it is probably going to be separated. I don't think they're going to be connected via a leash. There's no, we don't see a leash in this scene.
0: Well, that's a spoiler section discussion right there, so.
2: All right. I also cannot talk anything else about the Sean Chan or anything else in this episode without going into the spoilers, so.
0: So let's just do it. Let's just go there.
2: All right, let's pause to give non-book people a time to leave. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to our non-spoiler section of all of our episodes. It's been fun. Please go read the books and then come back and listen to the back half of every single one of these episodes, including this one. All righty, let's go for it.
0: All right, and all of you spoiler people who are still here, you're way cooler than the people that just left, just so you know.
1: No. (laughs) No. Although, I mean, it's a lot of work to read all of those books just to listen to the back half of these episodes. But our voices are so wonderful. If you needed any
2: motivation whatsoever, it would be to hang out with us more, obviously.
0: Yeah, come come, listen to uh, my terrible takes on Wheel of Time.
2: <laughs> and my wonderful ones, because I'm flawless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but first and foremost about the, the Shan Shan collars and stuff like that, because there's the whole there's the whole thing with Elaine figuring out how to do the collarless links. We have that in Book 7, I believe, is, is where they're doing that because she's got, you know, one of the Forsaken trapped that way.
2: Yeah, the show is going to need to cut out a lot of the Wonder Girl discoveries. And for people who don't know, the Wonder Girls are going... Nynaeve, Elaine, and I think Avienda, which I might have already said, it's gonna need to cut that out. It's gonna need to cut out like Avienda's special powers with Angriol and being able to, or Tearangreal and being able to identify what they do. Like a lot of that is cool in the books and cool world building in the books, but is on the whole fluff. And if we're going from 14 books to eight seasons of a show, there's a lot of that fluff is gonna have to go. And I feel like those discoveries are going to be part of that. Like they're gonna learn other stuff from Mogedian, but I don't think they're gonna learn that in particular.
0: Yeah, I can see a lot of it getting condensed. I'd be fine with a lot of that kind of stuff happening.
2: Yeah, like in the same way that they're gonna condense Like some stuff that Egwene does as well around like the oaths and the oath rod and stuff. Like they're going to condense all of that down. They've already made that pretty clear from episode six. So I just think like stuff's going to get cut. If you want the full, full, full story, you read the books and you hang out with us. (laughs) Um, One of the other things that I liked in this episode that is a spoiler is that the cold open is definitely a foreshadowing to when Rand and Egwene have a very similar argument about the last battle. I hate that scene in the books. It is one of my least favorites. It's so dumb. Egwene just like loses every brain cell in her body in that scene. And especially because this scene happens in a very similar way where like Tarna, I think is her name, is like, well, lose there and we're going to do things separately. But then in the same episode, we have Egwene tell Rand, if you are the dragon, I will stand by you regardless. I'm really hoping that we get a rewrite of that scene with an Egwene who makes more sense and is like, Rand, if you think that breaking the seals of the Dark Ones prison is the way to go, I don't agree with you, but I will support you. That's what I'm hoping, because, ugh, that scene makes no sense.
1: It's so dumb. I'm not confident that we will get that change, but boy, I would like to. It makes me mad. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Uh, yeah. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about it yet.
2: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they even get there. I hope they get there. It'll be a last season thing, I would think. Maybe it'll be the cold open of season, of episode one of season eight. That would be fun. Rafe, I'm over here just writing your show for you, by the way. <laughs> I've talked about this before, but the Aes who beats Moiraine to help her break her block is Elida in the books. And the way that Moiraine describes her as like... Cold and like hard and perfect and great at channeling. A little bit strange that she says she's everything I wanted to be. That might be elevating Elida a little bit too much. But otherwise, like that is so absolutely Elida's character.
0: Well, you know, she's not lying though.
2: That's true, which is also (laughs) wild. Like, Wyrain, you could you could do so much better than to be like Elida. I also realized, I don't remember if it was like this time or another time, but this could be a reference to when Elida beats Egwene with the one power later on like that is like kind of elida's favorite way to humiliate people in the books so that's definitely elida it makes me very
1: much hope as i have said at length that we are going to get elida in the show i hope we do we've talked about storylines that you can cut but i feel like you can't really cut her out
0: She's kind of needed to edge along a lot of the story that happens throughout the series. Uh, So it's like, you know, player one is Rand's gang. Player two is the Dark One's gang. Player three enters the chat is the Sean Chan. And then you've got player four over here who keeps like just fucking shit up. And that's Elida and, you know, the White Cloaks.
2: Yeah, agreed. And like, because I'm assuming they're going to keep Leandrin as a dark friend and Elida is not. And it's essential that Elida is not. Like, it's It's absolutely essential to the, that there are just people who are on the side of the light who are also just assholes and idiots.
0: We have our uh, poster child here.
2: <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, that is Elida to a T. So I'm really hoping they don't combine Elida and Leandrin, even though there are a lot of hints that they were at least thinking about that in episodes five and six. And then the last note that I have in terms of foreshadowing is I like, I really want Moiraine to be shielded, specifically so that she can learn how to untie a shield that she cannot see or feel, because someone needs to teach Rand how to do that before Dumai's Wells, because that's how he frees himself. And it would be super cool if it is Moiraine.
0: You think they would change it to Moiraine over a Lanfear?
2: I think so. I think that Rand and Moiraine already have kind of a mother-son thing going on, even in episode seven, and especially in episode eight. I would like it very much to be Moiraine and not Landfair.
0: I still think we're gonna get Varin out of this. Like I know I've talked about that before, but this is perfect for Varin to come in as a character on the show instead of having the other two random Browns that. Moraine goes to in book two to find information about whatever she was trying to do in the one chapter she was in for that entire book. This would be fantastic for Varen to come in and they're doing their own thing on this side of season two while Rand's doing his thing and, you know, the rest of uh, the gang is doing stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like, maybe Varen learned it from Landfear. Maybe, maybe. You know, she is a dark friend, but like, not really. But yeah, any other spoilers or foreshadowing or stuff that we want to talk about in episode eight? I don't think so. I didn't actually have a lot of notes for this episode. I didn't either. My notes were only three pages.
0: Only three pages.
2: <laughs> Instead of five?
0: No, I, I I guess in terms of the, the foreshadowing, it's like, it's going to be hard to kind of read what the foreshadowing in these last few episodes are for season two, because they're, you know, they're changing things up, you know, as an adaptation goes. So it's going to be kind of fun to see how they steer things going forward. Like, I, I, I do hope, that they don't stray too far from the whole battle at um, Falma.
2: Yeah, I I mean, we know they've filmed Falma. I don't think that they will stray super far from it. Like we've talked about before. I am curious to see how they're going to do Falma and Tyr in one season.
0: I think they're going to have to make the Sean Channel a little more aggressive in the show. Because in the books, it's like they show up, you swear your oaths, they go on their way. And it's like, we don't really do anything with them for another four books. It's going to have to change up a little bit.
2: Yeah, maybe this first wave is the only wave, or maybe we get a first wave and they're not fully beaten back.
0: Maybe we get two on a whole lot
2: earlier.: Oh God, I would be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I would lose my mind
1: if we saw two on before, like season five. I think I'm looking forward to re-watching season one after season two has come out and seeing what some of these foreshadowing bits are actually pointing to.
0: Oh, absolutely. It'll give me a reason to watch season one again, because it's kind of it's, it's a little hard to watch, to, to rewatch over and over again, knowing that we're just playing the waiting game for season two. But once season two hits, I'll be able to be like, all right, let's stack them up and go again.
2: Because we did this rewatch, I don't... F- well, I could be totally wrong. See, Fenya's going to make fun of me, because I'm going to be told I'm going to change my mind in like six months. <laughs> At the moment, I don't feel the need to rewatch season one again before season two comes out.
1: I'm... <laughs> I am going to make fun of you, yes. That'll change when season two comes out. I can guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I will probably
2: watch it as soon as the season two actual trailer comes
1: out. <laughs> yep. And then you'll watch it again before season two like actually drops. Yeah. You will. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll probably at least go through the season one more time right before season two hits out. Just, just because...
2: That's true. And you know, honestly, I think I'm, uh, if I had to ballpark a number, I might be on rewatch 11 or 12. And I'm, I'm, yeah, (laughs) but I'm still noticing new things every time I watch. So.
0: Wow. And that's the great thing about it. Anything like this is you always pick up new things. Anybody else have any uh, last comments for the end of our season one rewatch for Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time?
2: Nope. Do you want to close us out Dad?
0: In that case, thank you very much for listening to our discussion of Amazon's Wheel of Time, Season 1, Episode 8. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to talk to us about, feel free to send us an email to producertvt at gmail.com, or you can join us at tarvalon.net in our general forms, where we have created a special thread called Tarvalon Talks, pinned at the top of the page. You can also chat with us via tarvalon.net's Discord server in the Tarvalon Talks Discord channel. Thank you for joining us for our full season rewatch of The Wheel of Time Season 1. Until next time.